Hello. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Empowered Artist Collective podcast. My name is Jennifer Apple. And this week, I had the absolute joy of talking with multi-hat-wearing actor, comedian, director, producer, and filmmaker Emily Dayton Evans. We chat about navigating the improv and comedy spaces, finding joy in creation, and the challenges of balancing various artistic pursuits. We unpack the importance of creating a supportive community and finding like-minded people with whom to work. Plus, we discuss Emily's approach to setting deadlines, self-motivation, finding motivation through collaboration, and the delicate balance between friendship and business in this creative industry we find ourselves in. We also talk about strategies for overcoming burnout, the significance of celebrating small wins, and practical advice for those aspiring to break into the comedy and live show scene. Enjoy. Emily Dayton Evans, you are in this space. (laughs) It's beautiful to be here. I can't even tell you. I, I mean, you can tell me if you really want to, but for anybody who does not know you, who are you today? I'm kind of like the coolest girl in town. Yeah, clearly. Literally. I went, I ran one mile today, which to me is like incredible, unstoppable. I can move mountains. A hundred percent. It's more than I've ever run in my life, truly, unless I'm like being chased by a, like a metaphorical bear. I don't, I really don't think I will ever run. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why I do it is in the event that I am going to be chased. I'm like, they're not going to chase me more than a mile. Right. I don't know how chasing works if I'm being really fair. I feel and I like, guess it is unpredictable in the moment. There's obstacles right. and stuff, but I figure one mile should get me started and okay. then adrenaline would take over. Yeah. Do you have a route that you always use now that you've become a clearly a runner or is it just every day your heart just takes you where it goes? No, I do the same route. That way I know when I can stop running. I know oh. when I've hit a mile and then I'm like, great, that's it. I quit. Yeah. Do you do a cool down of a walk after the fact? Yes. Because I have to walk back to, from where I came. Got it. So is the walk from where you – is it like a full circle? Kind of, yeah, because I go in Prospect Park and then I run like part of the loop and then yeah. I cut back through the park. Yeah, don't it. tell people your route because, again, you don't then want the actual chase to happen. Um, of course. Yeah. Unless I would like to be tested. Okay, so we can probably arrange that for you if that's something that you're really interested in. Thank you. I'd appreciate that. Yeah, anytime. Um, for people who don't want to only know about your running, <laughs> what else do you do? <laughs> Um, I am an actor. I'm a comedian. I'm a director, producer, writer, award-winning filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awards. I do do a lot of everything. Yeah. Awards are the only way apparently that this industry tell us that we're good. So now that you've been awarded, now you know. Oh, yeah. I've constantly been seeking validation and now Uh I have it in the form of actually a trophy that they haven't mailed to me yet. You should get on that. Yeah. I'm going to follow up. Yeah, I could tell those same people that they'd they'd love if they're cool to like send it with somebody who will run towards you with it and bang it both out at the same time. Two birds, one trophy. That's that's it. Maybe that's the name of your new next award winning movie, Two Birds, One Trophy. Yeah, let's trademark that now because we are (laughs) on it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I'm obsessed with your brain. And I think the first time I met you, I did tell you that you remind me of Anna Conkle from Pen15 and – but in like a zanier real human way that isn't just her putting on a, you know, 15-year-old character. Um, and I mean that as like a full compliment. I think that's one. As you should. 
And I want to better understand how you have become who you are. (laughs) (laughs) You you don't have to go through like trauma necessarily. We can go through. You don't want to start there? I was going to start. If that's where it needs to start. Yeah. Um, Well, comedy, comedy is something that, uh, so I grew up in rural Vermont in a very small town with a very limited understanding of the industry and how someone would pursue being an actor. But I knew that I was a performer. My mom put me in dance when I was three years old. And so I started dancing, then dancing competitively. Then in high school, they did musicals. Mm -hmm. And so that was my first time acting in something was musicals. And then I went to college. I went to a state school because it was what I could could afford. And Mm -hmm. they did theater. So then I was doing theater there. And I feel like my constant feedback was always that I was funny. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, like, so then I'll be in funny plays. Like, I didn't know how else it translated. And then when I graduated college, I did a musical theater summer stock contract. And mm-hmm. while I was there, it was with a bunch of performers who were all from New York City. And they were all like, Emily, you have to do improv. You have yeah. to do improv. You'd be so good at improv. And if someone tells you that you're good at something, do that thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, I'll do anything that I'm good at. <laughs> You know, maybe not anything, but I would imagine most things, maybe or maybe most anything. things. If I'm going to be good at it, I, yeah. I'll probably do it. Oh, great, love. <laughs> I love, I love that. Um, but so then I came to New York, and then I started taking improv. And where did um, you start? UCB. Okay. UCB. Yeah, I, I bought into the pyramid. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which has now reopened too. I know. UCB's back. I know. I know. I know. It's wild because it also just came back out of nothing. I know. I don't know how. I mean, was there like an angel donor? Where did that? How did we? We're comedian. We how, money. Well, I think I assume that they've been doing classes, and I imagine because I have heard people taking classes in the past year, and I've been like, oh, I didn't know that UCB was doing classes in New York again. Mm-hmm. And I imagine they also probably get money from like their LA. It has to be. It's also such a. In my mind, I was like, when this when it had a shuddering of sorts, I was like that you're like the thing mm-hmm. so, i mean really they were they're were like the top yeah the top improv yeah. in new york mm-hmm. i feel and correct me correct me if i'm wrong i haven't i don't have the stats so <laughs> i can't do that <laughs> yeah but so then i started doing improv i mean where does my sense of humor come from it's like who knows i, I do think that everyone's kind of born with that and that comes mm-hmm. from your trauma how you grew up. Like I grew up one of five kids. Mm-hmm. Where do you fall? Are you in the now. middle? I'm second oldest. I knew you were not one of the ends. No. Yeah. No. I sensed that because I am an end. And by end, I mean an oldest. And the oldest <laughs> know an oldest and the oldest also know a youngest. And we know that otherwise there's like a nebulous energy from the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know yeah. if I made you feel called out, but I knew that. Mm-hmm. No, I mean it's interesting because I'm I'm the youngest girl because okay. my because I have an older sister than three younger brothers. Okay, so I'm the youngest girl, and so in some ways I feel like I have that quality. But then I'm an older sister to three mm-hmm. brothers. Yeah, and my sister always says that I feel like her older sister. Oh, so. complex, complex. Yeah, or or yeah. it is complex both. Everything about English in that way too, like complex and complex. It's the same word. Anyway, because we're being Caribbean. <laughs> okay, you're, so trauma. It comes from trauma. <laughs> yeah, so it c- comes from trauma. It comes from whatever you laugh at. I always kind of had a dark sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think a lot of it is also gaining confidence in your in your sense of humor, which improv is really good for because mm-hmm. that's you being put into a space where you have to, you know, be funny and make it up on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I think the more confident you get once you do it enough times, you're like, oh, I'm just making people laugh. Then you're confident that you can kind of do it wherever and however you want to. Yeah. Did you rise through all of the levels of UCB? Did you do like the whole pyramid sitch? I took I took all of the classes. I was never um, on a house team. Okay. Um, but I took all the classes. Like I was academy level. Yeah. Um, was what it was called, and I would do some of the shows where the teachers choose people to be in the shows. So I did some of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm curious if you have thoughts or can break it down for folks who are like I've been curious about the improv scene in New York between say like. The Magnet, UCB, like all the different – like if we can kind of like run through what's even available and why one would do one over the other. Yeah. I mean I'll say what I know. I've I've only taken classes at UCB, yeah. so I can't necessarily speak to it. I know that UCB has a very intense mindset mm-hmm. there. It is – people describe it as being very cult-like and there is – I mean because there is something so magical when you see people perform really good improv. Mm-hmm. It's it's stunning. It's unbelievable. And so I feel like everybody, you know, wants to get to that level. And because Abby and Alana took off from UCB, everyone's like, oh, that's how we do it. So yeah. I feel like a lo- people who are going to UCB oftentimes are very serious about comedy, mm-hmm. which is such a funny thing to be serious about. <laughs> we'll probably talk about that in a moment. We'll but- probably get mm-hmm. to that. And so then the pit, I kind of view the pit as like – the middle of the ground where I think Pitt is like easier to get more involved than at UCB. I like, I also was on an indie improv team before the pandemic. The pandemic really shut down a lot of improv. Yeah. As it did with a lot of live performance. Um, And my indie team would do a lot of shows at the Pitt. The Pitt was always a great place to like host your own shows. Um. And then the magnet, I know. So my girlfriend and I actually met in an improv class. Cute. But she was there to get out of her shell. So there are people doing that also at UCB. Yeah. But um, she then started taking classes at magnet. And she said that was so much lower key because it was just people there to have fun and do mm-hmm. it. Whereas at UCB, there's that kind of competitive edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know because the pit also closed some of its theaters. I know I they know. still have the loft. So I don't know the state of all of the improv theaters yeah. right now, except that UCB is reopening. Great. Um, that was helpful just to give a little bit of a debrief in terms of the energy around it. Because I think that is part of it, right? Like in my frame of mind, when I think about improv, when I think about my experience with improv, when I think about my experience with comedy, the ideal, if we're talking about it, is to find a space where, A, I feel like I can be the most I guess, funny version of myself or access these parts of myself in a space that I feel I can play and Mm -hmm. B, to ideally be surrounded by people who will probably push the way in which I can think about my comedy and open up different ways for me to think about the way in which I think about opportunity within a a space and how to, how to play. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that has usually been like my guiding posts of the two, like the energy and the healthy push. But you mentioned so beautifully about how sometimes the spaces can feel really serious, which is all sorts of Mm -hmm. ironic and antithetical towards a space that's meant to just be about like (laughs) laughter and fun, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously there's a craft to it, especially improv if we're talking about improv. It's a skill set. But just how people, A, take it really seriously and then the joy is kind of lost and B, how many of the people who are drawn to that space 
arguably are also really sad to start. Yeah. I mean, that is the thing with comedians where they come to it from a place of wanting to normally it's like to make hard things in your life funny. It's Mm -hmm. humor is such a huge coping mechanism, but it is so funny that it is sad people going to go make other people funny (laughs) and they're all just kind of sad. Also something that I didn't say about UCB, UCB is very form focused, at least in the first like initial rounds. And I think that is, that can all is something that gets you in your head Mm -hmm. and is less of a place to like, explore like I feel like I've heard that maybe the pit or I know that second city is really like a place where they're more um it's more focused on characters and playing Mm -hmm. characters rather than UCB is focused about a certain technique right for improv and it is it is hard it's hard not to get boxed in in a space where you're trying to play Mm -hmm. and I think that's that's one of my well I would say one of my tips for like if you're going to do improv, it would be finding a group of people. I think that what really made me a great improviser was finding a group of people that I was comfortable with and then working with them for years. I was on an indie team and we would practice once a week for years. Mm -hmm. Like I I think we were three or four years that we did it before the pandemic. And now we're just starting again. And to have a space where you're regularly working with the same people, you understand the rhythms and you're able to really build upon it so much more. Yeah. And like with most things in this industry. I feel like indie is can be so valuable and you can get so much more out of an indie experience than doing it through an institution. Yeah. I love that as even just like a prompt for folks who don't either A, have the means or B, have the interest in being in a more institutionalized space is like there's a way to still create that kind of structure with people that you just really enjoy being around and creating mm-hmm. with, that it doesn't have to be necessarily organized, you know, with finances that you're giving to a place. It's like, hey, you, you, and you, I, we clearly have a rapport. We clearly love hanging out. Do we have some form of structure that we want to work within or do we want to just like meet up once a week and shoot the shit and see what comes from it and then work from there and create some – Yeah, I do think it's important to have a coach because otherwise improv does just turn into you gossiping and playing pretend with your friends, which is so fun, (laughs) which is so fun to do. But a a coach really is helpful because you never want to coach someone else in their, you know, make believe land. Yeah. Actors don't give other actors notes. Yeah. That is a lesson for all of us to continuously be reminded of. Who was I talking to? I was talking to a mentor the other day and they've been teaching class at a, an institution. He's Anyway, they've been teaching class at a like well-known program, university, and he's teaching undergrad. And he was talking about how these kids are so sensitive in his class. They're like so talented and they're so sensitive. And at first, you know, it was like kind of not like open feedback, but people would do a scene and it was like, cool, like let's give, you know, if we have thoughts about how pe- how this made you feel or what resonated for you, like, please raise your hand. And then it slowly became a like, let me critique you and the work that you're doing. And he was like, I, we're shutting that down now. Um, this is, I, I'm hired for that. Um, if I even choose to do that, um, you are all here in my class to participate and support one another. Let's highlight the support here and not give those notes. Um, Thank you so much. And that was like part of his venting to me about how his life is going. I was like, that's, yeah, I understand how that can be really time consuming. Um, 
Okay. So now that you have this like indie group of folks that you are rekindling with, you've gone through the UCB full experience through academy level. How does that leave you in terms of the work that you pursue, the way in which you approach your work, the the lens through which you view opportunities that come to you and all of that? Yeah. Well, improv really kind of was the space where I first met people who were working in TV and film. And Mm -hmm. so then, I mean, I'm a huge, what is it? A huge proponent for asking questions. Mm -hmm. It's like questions are so important. And I really, I grew up so sheltered. I didn't know anybody who was pursuing this. And so anytime I would meet anyone who's doing something that I liked or something that I wanted to do, I would just ask them, like, Mm -hmm. how did you do that? And so through improv, I met um, one of the girls on my indie team who is an actor and she had already done a fair amount of TV at that point. And she told me about like one-on-one and pay to place to get an agent and that I need an agent in order to get TV and film. Um, And so then that's how I got my first rep and that's what launched my TV and film career. And then through one on one, you took a class there, and you literally—that's your. That's how I—that's how I got my first agent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it was. It was very. For, I was very fortunate. In that was it way. one of those like the the intensives that they had, and they bring a bunch of people, or did you do a specific pay? No, plan? it was a one on one. Wow. It was just me and that person. Yeah, and I've had success from one on one. Um, with I've had three different reps. I think through them. Wow. Um, okay. So it it can work. I yeah. know that it can, but I also I have also taken so many there too. <laughs> You're like statistically it had to have worked because of how well, that's, many that's always yeah. been my thing. Every no that I'm get that I get, I'm like, well, it's closer to a yes. You, know, there, you have to get so many no's. And so anytime I get a no, I'm like, great. I'm clear yeah. like I'm just marking off all of the no's I have to get so that I'm making room. I love that as the philosophy. I try to think that every yeah, it's it, every no is a door opening in essence. Mm-hmm. It's like a, every no is actually a yes because now I can actually close that door and like move on to the next one. I love mm-hmm. that. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Exactly. And then in in the improv community, I you know I feel like anytime you know you go into an acting class or you go into an improv class and you see people that you like their style, you like their energy. There's something about them, and you're like, oh, this is my type of person. And I found my people at UCB and two of them are now still my collaborators. I've known them for seven years. And they were, when I met them, they were writing a play and they cast me in the play that they were doing. Mm -hmm. And then we wrote a show together that we put up at UCB and we're now, um, we just received the um, camp residency at Ars Nova, which is like the, what is it? It's comedy it's a residency to create a new comedy show yeah. through Ars Nova. And the three of us, where we all met at UCB from doing a really weird improv, and we saw each other and we're like, oh, we're all crazy. <laughs> and so now we're writing a show together with Ars Nova. Congratulations. That's a huge deal. Thank you. I'm really deal. excited. Yeah. It's a long it's a long process, too. It's nine months. Yeah. And I, I have become so good at producing my own work and creating my own opportunities. And it's nice to have a space where, and a theater that is supporting me Mm -hmm. to help me make this. Yep. Um, And to just have that time built in. I'm really excited to see. Um, I want to talk to you about the work that you do produce and the solo shows that you have created. You do so many things. I think the thing that I admire a lot about you is going back to like the no's being yeses basically, and not letting those things honestly like get you down or maybe that does and you have moments where you cry in a bathtub and hold on to your cat but like I 
and I imagine you do, but for the most <laughs> yes. part, it seems like you are somebody who really does just continue to create and create and create. You have so many irons on the fire. So how do you do that? What are the sources of inspiration that draw you to certain things and allow you to continue them through fruition? Like what is that mm -hmm. for you? Yeah. Well, I always say to people like, do not compare yourself to me and the the way that I work because I, I'm such, my wheels are constantly turning. I feel like New York was the first place that I came to where it felt like, oh, this place is moving at my pace yeah. <laughs> and that's no sleep fast, fast, fast. And, um, yeah, so I guess with producing my own stuff, I think what it is and you know, there was always, there was a long time where when people would ask me what I would do, you know, I still have, I work two days in a restaurant still. I consider it me giving back to my community. <laughs> um, That's a great, great way to think about it. Yep. They need, they need someone to give them the burgers and I'll do it with a smile. You know, why not? For two <laughs> days, I can do that for them. Yeah. Um, Lucky so, them. You know, there was a long time where people would ask you what you do and I wouldn't know if I could say like, oh, I'm an actor or I'm a comedian because I was like, well, I also like work in a restaurant. And it's, and then you think about it, you're like, well, what do I do? And it's like, well, during the week I'm acting, I'm doing, mm -hmm. as long as I'm engaging with my craft, that is who I am. That is what I am. And so I feel like it started with producing my stuff. It came from me constantly wanting to be engaging with my craft and not having the money to be, you know, I, I couldn't go and get a master's degree. I, I wasn't going to pay for some huge institution because I'd already paid UCB <laughs> all of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so it was like, I want to constantly be engaging with my work. So much of it is kept behind, you know, a paywall. And how can I do that? And so much of it is from finding people who you jive with and then going into those communities. And I'm someone who, like when I first came to New York, you know, I was doing musical theater and theater. And so when I got here, I was going to open calls. I was mm -hmm. going to cattle calls. I was doing musical theater auditions. Um, and then I started doing improv and then I learned how to do TV and film. And I was like, well, that's what I want to mm -hmm. do. And then I also do stand up. I think a lot of it, the level of involvement I have is from a desire to constantly be performing and to be engaging with it. Mm -hmm. um, I think the ability to get things done for me with kind of any project, I don't like to start something if I'm not going to finish it. It really bothers mm -hmm. me. And so oftentimes I will start with um, the end goal. So like, what is the end goal? Is it, oh, well, there's this really cool festival I want to get into. Maybe I can make a short film and then that can be my deadline. Because mm -hmm. as soon as I give myself a deadline, then I have to get it done. Then the pressure's on. And so I'll look ahead and I'll give myself a deadline. Like, oh, I know that I have this open time. That would be a great time to shoot a short. Like, let's now see what ideas do I have? What people would I want to work with? And then put it together mm. from there to kind of meet that goal. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting philosophy because I feel like so many folks, the reason it's so hard to start is because it feels like this nebulous process that doesn't necessarily have a structure to it. And arguably, we live in an industry that we're operating in an industry that is mostly structureless when it comes to like you have an employer for a period of time. It's not like there's a person telling you what mm -hmm. to do every day. You have to create that for yourself. So this idea of working backwards of like this is now a structure I've given myself is mm -hmm. really, really smart. Um, yeah. You, I mean, I think it's creating deadlines, which yeah. is different from setting goals. Yeah. And that's something that I feel like I've recently, when I first moved to New York, I had goals, you know, like, oh, get a rep 
um, move up a level in improv, um, go to, I started doing comedy, like get, get booked on this many shows. Um, and now because I've gotten so good at setting a deadline and getting things done, I've noticed that I've started putting things that are really goals as like a to-do list, like thing I have to check off when it's actually something that I don't have control over in that way. Mm. And so I do think it is the thing of being aware of what is in your control and what you can make happen. And then what are the things that you're aspiring and working towards through that work? Yeah. And then that's your goal. I love that shift. How do you feel like you can balance all of it? Because you're labeling a lot of stuff that you do and you do do them. So like you yeah. are doing stand-up and you are creating short films and you are submitting yourself to create a theatrical project through a residency. Like you are doing mm-hmm. all of these things. How do you find the balance and how do you create the space for all of those things? I think the key to like longevity in this like it's such an unstable career. It's such a difficult career. Mm -hmm. There's so much negativity around it is working with people that make you feel good and doing projects that make you feel good. I have worked on projects that take so much from me and Mm -hmm. then they leave you drained. You don't want to do another one. It's like, Oh, I never want to work like that again. And so it's being able to recognize when something isn't fitting and being like, oh, I don't have the time and space for that. My time and space is valuable. And then putting it into things that are fun. So like the residency, I'm doing that with two like women who I love and who inspire me. I think that they're such incredible artists and I'm excited to be, you know, working with them because my dynamic with them when I first met them was they've written a project that they asked me to come into. And it's Mm -hmm. so cool to now have graduated into like, oh, I'm an equal collaborator on this. And I I think that working with others is really helpful. I have um, a writing partner that I've made two films with that um, it just, it's the accountability. And then you're not Mm -hmm. alone swimming in the work. You have someone that you're doing it with. So it's also social. Mm -hmm. And so it never feels like, oh, I, I have to go rehearse for this play. And then I have to go work on writing this feature. It's like, oh, I get to go hang out with these people and do this fun mm-hmm. thing. And then I get to go hang out with this person and do this yeah. fun thing. How do you bridge um, the friendship line into collaborative line? I think for folks who are listening who are maybe the, well, I don't want to burden or I don't like to ask or, you know, they probably are too busy or they're in a different league than I am and they've done more than I have. So why would they want to work with me and the imposter syndrome, all of it? Like how does one – grow a pair? How does one start to feel more confident? How does one um, make that hard ask that is actually sometimes really difficult? It is so hard. And it's, and that's also the feeling below people. It's so easy to just assume that other people have it figured out. Mm -hmm. But I feel like anyone who is in this industry, unless they are already like a series regular, they've sold their scripts, they've, you know, they're making bank and they're super comfortable everybody is struggling. Everybody, it's an unstable career. Nobody knows when their next job is. And And even those people, I mean, like they all came out of the woodwork, you know, during the strike being like, Hey, I've been a series regular in three shows and I still have a side hustle. So, um, yeah. (laughs) And you're like, Oh, I thought you were good. I thought you were golden. And yet we're all a mess. And it's knowing it's thinking like, Oh, people want to work. People want to be involved in doing things. And because there's so much, you know, gatekeeping in the industry, you know, you're, you're waiting for someone to cast you in something. You're waiting for someone to put you on a show, you you know? And so knowing that everybody wants to be working, everybody wants to be doing things. I think if you see people who you know that you jive with, you like their energy, you respect them. Um, 
those are the people to go towards in asking that. And I think for the line between like friendship and business, it's really hard. It's Mm -hmm. because I think if they are a good friend and a friend that you can really fully communicate with, then, you know, business, it shouldn't be that bad if you're good communicators and you can really talk it through. But then there is also that line of like, it, it you need to be working with someone that you trust yeah. and that you respect and who treats you with respect. Yeah. 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 Do you ever create little contracts or do you just go off of, we'll talk this through? Yeah, I have. I have. I've done, um, uh, I did a sketch comedy pilot with comedian Gara. Um, and he, he had been in situations before where he had wished that he had a contract. And so Mm -hmm. we got a contract to protect that. And then that's the project. We just won, um, best of the late night competition at Sirius Fest, which is an incredible festival. I would say I've been learning a lot about applying to festivals since I just started producing my own films in 2020. And, you know, my first one, I was just making to, to have made the thing. And then from there, I've been learning so much more about festivals and I would highly recommend Series Fest. It was incredible. And they really offered tangible opportunities there. Amazing. And so I think because we knew with this pilot, you know, we've created it with the intent to sell. And so because of that, we were like, let's, let's have a contract because we know that we're doing this to make money and we want it to be clear. Mm-hmm. And I think because with the short films that I've made, those ones have been made, they were more so just made for the sake of making mm-hmm. a film and learning and practicing. Because um, I, I wrote both of those with my friend Eileen, who's a very talented, you know Eileen. You met I Eileen. Eileen. Um, Eileen, Come very on, talented, Eileen. very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we made those just for the sake of making and then learning. Um, and so we didn't we didn't do a contract for that. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know much about how to like legitimize a contract. That is mm-hmm. something that- Did you I'd just like create about. one for yourself? Like you didn't hire a lawyer. You're just like, these are things that we are no. agreeing to. Let's we found make stuff this. online. Mm-hmm. We like made a joint ownership contract and then we both signed yeah. it. And we did that too for a producer who wanted to come on to the project. Mm-hmm. Um, and we formed a contract with him. Yeah. I think there's something yeah. to be said about it doesn't necessarily have to go through the whole legal system as long as everybody's understanding the purpose of why a contract is in existence. You know, it's like if you mm-hmm. sublet your apartment, technically you don't necessarily need a contract, but every time I've ever sublet, I always make somebody sign it just because it's like a little bit more legit. There's just like mm-hmm. a ne- now it's an understanding that like this is somebody's space. They are giving it to you for this period of time for this amount of money. These are the rules of it. We all are now in agreement. We don't have to, you know, like nebulously talk about it. There's an understanding that this is a little bit more serious and just like you casually sleeping in my bed for two months. You know? Yeah. I say just get it in writing. Everybody, mm-hmm. I feel like people ask me a lot when they're putting together crews for um, their own film productions. They've asked me if I do contracts with my crews and I'm like, no, I just make sure that we have it in an email, like mm-hmm. their rate of pay, what they're expected to do and have all of that clear so that we have, you know, a record yeah. of it. But otherwise um, I think contracts are just for the sake of you know, people's comfort and people's security. Like yeah. what is the level of protection that you feel you need going into yeah. the production? I love that idea as just even doing it yourself. But I also still am not fully understanding how you're doing all the things. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. How do I do it all? I mean, I'm, I remember when I first moved here, hearing someone say like, you have to do one thing a day for your career. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like it started from that. Um, 
But that's How also like a really things? nebulous way of saying like one thing for my career could be like well, I've, you know, gone through my emails and made sure I've responded to people or it could be like I've done a, a self-tape just for myself. Like what are we talking about the one thing for your career? Anything? Well, well, that's what I was going to say is I feel like I took that and then I was like, I'm going to do as many things in a day as I can for okay. my career. Um, so I guess how do I – I think it's – I have good time management. Do you have a I scheduler? Think. Do you – I, I make my own schedule. I like, I get into a routine. So I know like on Mondays I have therapy on the Upper West Side and then I write with Eileen because Eileen lives in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And then on Tuesdays I have the residency in that evening and um, Marina, who I, I'm doing the residency with, she's also directing my solo show. So she and I will rehearse on Tuesdays during the day and then we'll go to the residency together. And then on Wednesdays, I have therapy in the morning, and then I have the rest of the day to do work. So whether that's um, marketing emails, if that's uh, doing a tape, if that's editing, working on a script, I have that space on Wednesday. Um, and then on Thursdays is when me and Mara and Marina, the two who I'm doing the residency with, it's three of us, we, we meet on Thursday mornings and then Thursday night, if I'm open and I want to, then I can go to an open mic and do comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, and then on Friday, that's kind of my open day. So it's like, I can work on stuff if I want to, I can go hang out with friends, whatever I want to do on Friday, I get to do. And then I'm also open to like, Oh, go do a class or mm -hmm. whatever. And then Saturdays and Sundays, I work in the evening at the restaurant. And so then during the day, sometimes I'll write during the day or I'll just clean or I'll just lay down. I cannot handle that you knew all of that and that it's so structured. That's, that, I mean, that's my current structure. I've really been yeah. working towards structure. I feel like yeah. for a while it was like, I don't know, I guess, I guess because so many of it, so many of the projects are with friends that it's mm -hmm. so much easier to yeah. do it. And also, especially in, so in the stand-up comedy world, so I do improv, I also do stand-up in the stand-up comedy world. I mean, people there are so competitive and there is such a grind. It's like, oh, you got to be going up every night. Yeah. How many nights are you going up? And I never approach stand-up that way because stand-up is not my chosen art form. I feel like mm -hmm. I do stand-up as a necessity to have it as a skill because it's mm -hmm. a great way to meet comedians and meet writers. Um, but I don't do it for love of the form. I've mm -hmm. never sat down to watch a comedy show for fun. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that energy is really like present there. And I think that that kind of overflows into my other, you know, workspace where it's like, I like to be doing something once a week that really involves acting. Mm -hmm. So whether that is rehearsal for my show, if that's taking a class, if that's performing on a show, like I like to do something that is acting once a week. And then I try to make sure that I'm doing one thing a week that is stand up related. If so, is it writing and going to an open mic? Is it performing yeah. on a show? Yeah. Have you been using the same monologue for years and could use a new piece? Are you applying to BA, BFA, or MFA programs and need a monologue for that process? Are you simply someone who has no idea where to search for monologues? Well, lucky for you, I do what is called monologue sourcing, in which I find monologues specifically chosen for you. So many artists use pieces based off external labeling for types and roles, rather than find pieces sharing who they really are and what speaks to them. 
So we meet virtually together and you share with me who you are as a human, what you love, dislike, your values, beliefs, family, friends, love, politics, you name it. I will help guide you through this. Don't worry. And then I go off on my own and I find you monologues chosen just for you that fit like a glove. I have been doing monologue sourcing for years as an extension of the coaching I do with artists, and I have found pieces in this way for over hundreds of artists thus far. So if you are someone who wants to feel empowered about the monologues you bring into rooms and use for auditions, I would love to help you find them. And because you are a dedicated listener of the Empowered Artist Collective podcast, I want to provide you with a custom link to an exclusive rate when you check out today. Head to empoweredartistcollective.com slash podcast promo to register. That's empoweredartistcollective.com slash podcast promo. I cannot wait to find you monologues you absolutely adore. Do you have a space that you like to write or that you find that you are more productive when you do go write? Do you are you a cafe person? Are you a we we worker? Are you a living room? I've really been I've really been struggling to motivate on my own. That's where yeah. working and collaborating with other people is so okay. valuable because then it's yeah. like if I'm with someone else, then we'll get it done. Yeah. If it's just me, I'm like right now I'm in my office. I'm really fortunate in this apartment that I have an office and I just got a cat and he is really starting to like to sit on my lap. And so I'm hoping that that will encourage more of a solo practice of me it's and not really office. alone. Yeah, you're also with it. Not really alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like what I'm hearing. Me in my chair. Oh, a hundred percent. And what I'm hearing from you, which I feel for myself, I just have not created the routine or the practice as well as you have in any respect. Really, is the accountability part of it all, and knowing that. Instead of instead of feeling like, oh, my inability to do this alone means a detriment to X, Y, and Z about myself, it's actually like, no, this is something that I know. I am capable of this. I just need to be surrounded by other folks who are going to either motivate me or are going to be literally sitting in the same space, breathing the same air for accountability's sake. And in order for me to do the work that I know I am totally capable and wanting and willing to do – giving myself that structure of finding that accountability is the way for me or you in this case to be to be productive. I I think it's I think it's really cool that you have flipped that and really owned that this is how you will get things done and now you've created the space for you to do that. Um I'm frankly quite envious of it and it's something that I've been working really a lot harder towards. Um it's yeah, hard well, it's, to acknowledge that. And it's learning. It's It requires – all of this requires learning and looking at, oh, what works for me and what doesn't work for yeah. me. Because for some people, working with other people does not help at all. And then yeah. it becomes to, oh, creating your own routine around it. It's really finding what works for you. And I'm yeah. someone where it's like community helps so much. Even if um, I was working on writing a feature script the other summer and I joined an accountability group where we all just mm-hmm. met once a week and said what our goals were. And then went out because I knew like, oh, even for me to do this solo project, I need I need to be answering to something that has mm-hmm. to be a deadline that I've created or it has to be people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's got to be somebody seeing that I'm doing something. Otherwise, I'm like, what am I doing it for? Yeah. I, I have that with – yeah, I, I guess for me it's shame around not producing if I'm like in a class and you're supposed to have, you know, however many pages and then I didn't. Like that it is enough for me to – get stuff done. But also, Um, it's not like I just started doing everything all at once when I got here. I mean, I didn't start producing um, 
any films until 2020. And that Mm -hmm. came from, you know, everything being shut down and I didn't have to do anything. So I had the time to focus on that. And when I first came here, it was like, oh, doing the open calls. And then I joined improv. So then it was doing improv. And then I started doing stand-up. So it was doing stand-up. And then I started taking one-on-one classes. So then I started really auditioning. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would say like, when I first started here, it was just about learning what are auditions like? How do I feel going to auditions? Um, getting like building up the stamina for that. I, I, I guess that's kind of how I do it. So it's just like, if you're like spinning plates, mm-hmm. you have to start with one plate and you have to learn yeah. how to spin it before you can go on and start spinning another one. And so I think I've built in over the years, you know, that it, to me, it's not, there were times when if I was going to perform on a comedy show, I wouldn't do anything that entire day. Mm-hmm. I would rest all day. I would work on my set. And that was all that I would do. And now because I've been doing it and practicing it for years, I can like swing by a comedy show and and just drop in and do something and then leave because I've formed that muscle. And then I didn't add on something until I, you know, could comfortably do that Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't, you know, compromise it. There's also the self-trust in that too, though, that you have built not only obviously the stamina, but it's also like the belief in yourself that you know what you're doing or you know what you're doing enough to feel comfortable in these spaces to drop in and drop out when you need to, um, mm-hmm. which is also a skill set that I just want to like yay to you, you know, to like, I guess maybe you don't feel that I way. Mean, no, I mean, I do. I do think that I, 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 th- I feel like I'm pretty confident in my abilities. I was talking yeah. about it the other day in therapy. I was like, I don't know. I've just always thought, you know, well, like I can make anything happen. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can create anything that I want to create. And my therapist was like, Emily, where did you get that idea? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I don't know. Maybe like my parents said that to me, but like knowing my parents, she was like, I don't think so. <laughs> and, We've been and working like, a lot and I don't know if I know. In alignment. She was yeah. like, maybe you read it somewhere. I'm like, I don't know where I came up with it, but I do believe that like, if I want something to happen, I mean, it's my life. I have, mm-hmm. you know, I get to decide what my life looks like yeah. in a matter of ways. Of course, there's so many things that are out of my control, but yeah. what's within my control, it's like, I can do everything as like to the best of my ability to make it happen for myself. And I yeah. think confidence just comes from, I mean, it's, I, it's also delusion. <laughs> Renee Rapp said it <laughs> recently in an interview. It is, it's delusion of being like, oh yeah, no, I really can. And just kind of going for it yeah. to make it. Yeah. I, I wasn't going to name it, but honestly, the people that I admire the most who are in my sphere of friendship, acquaintances, colleagues, who I'm like, how are you doing it all? They are all a bit delusional. And I mean mm-hmm. that as a compliment. I really do because, mm-hmm. again, I'm envious of it. Like, I wish I had a little bit more delusion and I w- wasn't so logical about everything and I didn't have to think everything through and have a whole, you know, thesis in my well, brain. It's so funny because logic, I mean, this career kind of defies logic. Art is not a logical thing. You know, it's an emotional thing. Um, And so there is that. I wonder too, I have OCD and I I developed it like really severe when I was younger. I guess I am going to talk about my trauma. Here we are. Go for (laughs) Um, it. Here we are, you guys. But I was diagnosed with it when I was 12 and OCD, you know, is having – intrusive thoughts that then you get, you know, so afraid of you have to perform a compulsion. And I think having to learn to realize that like, oh, my OCD isn't logical. And even if I try to fight it with logic, that's not going to change it because Mm -hmm. it's feeling based. Um, I feel like maybe there's something in there that I learned where then it's like, 
oh, you know, a lot of things defy logic and a lot of things that are very real, like the fear that I was feeling from my intrusive thoughts, that was so real. Mm-hmm. And logic wasn't going to change that. What was going to change it is finding ways to make myself feel better. Yeah. And so I guess in looking at this career, it's like, yeah, I mean, if you look at it logically, yeah, so many people don't make it. But that's the thing is like nothing's really that logical. No. And also I'm like, I feel like it's like survivor, like outwit, outlast, outplay. <laughs> and so I know that when it comes down to it, if I can survive, if I can endure, if mm-hmm. I'm still here working hard when I'm 60, say I haven't broken through yet, how many other 60 year olds are still going to be working hard? And so I yeah. do feel like no matter what, I will make it because I know I won't stop. Yeah. And so I guess that's where I can kind of trust it, where it's like, well, it'll happen sometime, mm-hmm. ideally. <laughs> sooner than that. Yeah. But you know. Yeah. But also like that's a relative thing. Like what do you mean? Like, you know, like happen some, like you are doing the thing, mm-hmm. right? You know, I think just affirming that that is part of what it means to be an artist that yes, there's like these beacons of quote unquote success that we see these famous people yeah. in. And it's like, arguably you're actually more of a creative type than many of those are. Cause you're actually doing and are in the weeds with the creativity mm-hmm. that you're a part of. I mean, who's to say what's more, maybe one is more financially lucrative if we're going there, but yeah, like, I just meant filthy rich. That's all I meant. Yeah. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. <laughs> that's really what we mean. So yeah. So basically you want to make money for the craft immediately. And I hear that. And I would love mm-hmm. that for you and for myself. But it'll come. It'll come. And yeah. it's come, you know, over time. And I do think um, – I listened I listened to one of your episodes too um, to okay. prepare for this, to prepare for the vibe. Okay. And, do you remember which one it was? I'm curious. Um, it was – she has sold like five scripts. It was about um, selling, selling your scripts. Oh, yeah. Adrian. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about um, celebrating the wins. And yeah. I do think, I think that's so important because it's small, it's small things and they add up. And it, it is a matter of focusing on, if you focus on all of your no's or on some, a trap that I get stuck in, I focus so much on what I want, like my goals, my dreams of how I want things to be instead of appreciating how things are. Mm-hmm. And when I'm able to switch and then actually note like, oh, look at all of these things that I have done and yeah. that I am doing instead of just what I want, yeah, it feels a lot better and you can see, oh, I'm doing it. And it's it's all moving in that direction. It's just I can't control yeah. the speed of things. Yeah. Or really how anything actually plays out. You can plan as much as yeah. you want and ultimately it's just going to do its own thing despite all your planning or in spite of all your planning. Though I guess I want to ask if and when you do feel a sense of burnout or you do mm-hmm. feel a sense of exhaustion or you have been going really hard, how do you replenish, stop, breathe, break? What do you do? Yeah, I think I've I've been learning to – and a phase that I'm really in, I'm really trying to understand my process. How is it that I best work? Mm-hmm. And especially now that I find myself balancing you know, the auditions – uh, the comedy world and then creating my own stuff. I would say those are kind of my three sectors yeah. um, to figuring out because writing, I would say writing is the hardest thing. It's so easy for me to show up and perform. Mm-hmm. I, I love to audition. I, you know, I love to do shows. That stuff, that's easy. That's like, oh, great. I get to do those things. Writing and producing, that's what's really hard because mm-hmm. it's it's stressful and writing is just, it, it's an awful, an awful activity. Yeah, it terrible. can be so rewarding, but And so figuring out my process and also, because I really, I mean, I am a little slave to capitalism. I, uh, my therapist said to me the other day, she was like, Emily, all of your feelings don't have to be productive. You can just be sad without it then having to have some greater meaning. Mm -hmm. And 
And so I think for me, knowing that there are ways to relax that are still productive mm-hmm. are helpful, even though it's still not, you know, killing the capitalist inside of me. But like, you know, watching TV, that is still within, that is research, yeah. that is inspiration. Um, I also think getting outside, being with nature, I think everybody just needs to touch grass. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been said, and I think it's so true. Yeah. Um, so I think going to the park, talking with friends, um, and then the burnout, it's like, that's part of it. That is part of this journey. And that is part of this industry is those moments of feeling low and of doubting yourself. And I think you have to show up for yourself and feel those things. And if you need to stop, then stop. Yeah. Because you can always go back to it. So much of it is so self-generated, yeah. especially if you're producing and going kind of the indie route. You know, you can always step in and step out. And I think knowing that like things will keep going, but you can always jump back on. It's not mm-hmm. like pausing actually stops anything for you. Yeah. Arguably, it actually regenerates you in order so that you've filled yourself mm-hmm. so you can come back more full as opposed to just like continuing to deplete yourself from nothing because you feel you have to be there. Yeah. I think it's also finding like an activity or something. I do a lot of puzzles. Um, and that's good because I'm someone who has such uh, – my brain just constantly needs to be stimulated. Mm-hmm. And so a puzzle, I can really stop and think. And I can't really focus on anything else when I'm focusing on the puzzle. And so having an activity that is outside of all of my um, career things mm-hmm. is so important to be like, oh, no, I have this thing to return to, to step outside of it mm-hmm. and to get a break. I also think it's so important to have friends who are not pursuing the same thing you are pursuing. Yeah. Because – it's, it just, you get perspective yeah. and this is such a crazy industry and crazy world to be living in. And it's like, you have to, you have to be able to get outside of it yeah. because if you're just inside of it, so many, I mean, just the entire, we were talking about it before with comedians taking things so seriously, comedians being so sad. And it's like, you're doing this for fun. And it, like, uh, if it's not fun, then don't do it. Yeah. Or if it's not fun in that moment, take a break and then it could potentially become fun again before you start to resent it or hate it. Like I think that flips too. It's like if you don't take that break, then you're actually potentially turning this thing that is full of joy or has the potential to be full of joy into something that no longer has that feeling for you. And now you no longer ever want to go back to it because you've lost it because you've stayed there for too long. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And also because I imagine, I mean, I think anybody who's listening to this podcast is someone who is committed to their art Mm -hmm. and they want to sustain it. And I think for anyone who's doing that, it's knowing that like uh, that's, that's the hunger. And I think I can be so hungry sometimes that it's like, Oh, I would like, I'll, I'll push past those bad feelings. I'll keep pushing. I'll keep pushing. But like you do, then you don't want to do it again. Once you've done it like that, you don't want to do it again. And so it's recognizing that you can stop. And also no opportunity is, so good that it's worth sacrificing your of yourself own mental and emotional well being. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not worth it because also then say that that opportunity is the thing that oh yeah sure that would break you through that would be your like launching point. It's not going to feel good mm-hmm. if you feel awful doing that thing. It's yeah. not worth it, even though you want it so bad. Yeah, and so I think it is. It is a matter of practicing trust in yourself and in your art and in that. You know, I just think that by engaging in your craft and in your community, like either by taking classes or by producing things, um, 
that 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 will draw it to you. You know, people yeah. talk. I used to. Do you remember the secret? Oh, do I remember it on DVD? <laughs> on DVD. Yeah, I, had the book. I had the book. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that, this is a throwback for there anybody was, who like, is. You attract things. It's so it's so <sighs> tricky because sometimes I love I love the woo woo stuff, but it also can drive me so crazy because yeah. it's also the idea that oh that oh if I have the right vibrational energy and the right mindset, then everything will work out for me. And it's like, no, but it does feel good when you have a good mindset about things and you are more apt to see opportunity if you are in a place where you are open to it, not a place where you are so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for all of that wisdom nugget situation right there. I really went off. No, it was, no, that's, no, that was, you went off beautifully. So there's, that was exactly what was needed. So thank you. Um, as we begin to wind down our time, is there anything on your mind, heart, feeling, spirit um, that you uh, want to share that we did not talk about? Um, I would just like to share how I think the best way to go about either producing a live show or a comedy show or a theatrical experiences. Yes. Because I think I was so, in the comedy world, it's so intimidating because when people are funny, it just feels like they are more powerful than you. Yes. Um, and so it can be, that can be a really scary area to break into. And what I have learned, I've, I've produced a show for four years. I've produced a tour um, of the Northeast. I've been producing comedy shows. All you need for a comedy show or a live show, it's three things. You need a venue, you need an audience, and you need a show. And that's it. And so finding a venue, it can be anywhere. I've performed in basements. I've performed outside of cafes. I've per- performed inside of bars that are that they don't have a stage or anything. And then I've performed at places that actually have a stage. It's whatever your show needs. But it is not, it's not that hard or that scary to find a venue. There are so many places that want business mm-hmm. and so many like restaurants that just have a microphone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having an audience, it's like you have friends, the people who you are going to invite to be on the show, they have friends, but a show's not fun if you don't have an audience. So you do have to plan to, to have an audience mm-hmm. and then you have to do the show and you have to come up with a good show. But I think it's a lot easier to make a show happen than it seems. It's not that hard to find a venue. And I think that's something that I really thought was going to be so hard. Even financially, you found that? I, yeah, none of, um, none of the places where I have produced comedy shows have charged me for using the venue. Um, there are places that, and it depends, like I'm, my solo show has, um, it's at Caveat. And so Caveat is more of like a actual functional running theater. It has tech and stuff. And so they split ticket sales at the door. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they get a portion of that, but I'm not paying to like rent the space. I'm not, I pay for a tech rehearsal, but it's like $30. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm paying for a video recording, but that's also like, I'm making money off of doing the show from the ticket sales. So hopefully the ticket sales will cover the video recording. Right. Um, and then like for like bar shows and stuff, bars, they don't charge. Like there's so many venues that do not charge for you to show up there and do the show. They just want people there who are buying drinks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've never, I've never paid for a space to perform and now you have one for your residency. I know. I'm, I'm so excited for you. Um, that one's going to be a cra- that that show's going to be a crazy show too. It's going to be incredible, <laughs> and it's going to be epic. And I'm really pumped for you. And for all of your, you know, irons in the fire, you really with your pilot with 
this residency with your solo show, with your comedy generally, with your other, like you're just, you're doing so much. And um, I'm so excited for you in all of those capacities. And I'm super grateful that you shared the wisdom that you did and the little droplets of um, advice and such, and just the joy and the fun of it all. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I love, I love artists and I love being an artist. And I, all I want to do is figure out how to do everything and then tell everyone else how to do it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, and that's why this literally, this podcast exists. Cause it's like, why are we gatekeeping the stuff that we all are trying to learn how to do and need to know how to do? And we all kind of sort of are individually figuring it out. So why are we not telling Mm -hmm. each other? (laughs) And, and if you want to make a short film and you don't know what to write about coming up with writing ideas, Mm -hmm. because I'm an actor and I'm making it so that I can act in something, I just, I'm like, Oh, what acting exercise do I want to do? Like, Mm -hmm. so the first film I made, I was like, I want to be like, uh, like the villain. I want to be scary. So then it's like, okay, I write to that. So it's not it's not that hard to find a story. Just write for yourself and what you want to perform and then figure it out around there. See, for me, I'm like, that part feels the easy part the, for the logistics for me. This is where I'm going to, we're going to, I'm going to work with you. That's where like, it's, that's where it's building a team. And that's the thing. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you it. find the people that do like that. And I like, I can give you ideas four days to exhaustion. Like you're like, you want something like this. You don't actually know what you want. Here's 8,000 things. And now you're overwhelmed. <laughs> it's more the like, how do I tie this into a bow and create the actual short film and get this, the schedule up and how do I create the team? And how do I like that whole thing makes me want to crawl and uh, out of my own skin, but I'm working on it. It's a, it's a, and you'll talk to me. That's exactly I say that getting things done. Execution, yeah. my strength. Great. Ideas, I have them, but I would like it's just so much easier if someone just tells me what to do, and then I'm like, okay, I can. Do I that. will tell you that this is it. This is the collaboration that's about to happen when you have some time in your not busy <laughs> schedule. I don't know when that is. Um, heard Fridays are open. Listen, I did, and I'm going to pretend that I'm a friend in the time, and I'm going to make us work. <laughs> and by work, exactly. I mean just give you ideas and have you tell me what to do next. Um, I adore you. For anybody who wants to work with you, who wants to follow along on your journey, who wants to check out your work, what within your boundaries is the best way for people to find you? Um, you can find me on my Instagram, which is hot gay celebrity. That is, um, that is manifestation at its highest. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me on there. My website is linked on there. And yeah, email me, DM me. I love to work. I love to collab. That's how I get everything done. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Um, I adore you. Thank you for popping I adore into you. The space. Thank you so much for having yes. me. Yes. If something in this episode resonated with you, and more importantly, if this podcast means something to you, it would mean the most to us if you would leave us a positive review. This means the most in podcast land and allows us to continue creating these episodes for you weekly. If you are not yet doing so, please follow us on Instagram at Empowered Artist Collective, on TikTok at Empower Artist Collective, more on our website at empoweredartistcollective.com. If you are seeking some fun, cute merchandise, we have that link for you in the show notes. As always, I am so endlessly grateful that you keep on coming back, and we will be back again next week. Until then. <laughs>